So welcome back to Smileys. This is going to be part 2 of our discussion about The God is Not Willing, the first book in the Witness trilogy. We are discussing the books with our friend Maestro and joining me is again Lee. Hi Lee. Hello. Yeah, welcome back Ro. So Hi there. Yeah. So shall we continue with the second storyline, the Malaysian sure. storyline? Yeah. So okay. what your first impression, overall impression after finishing the book? Well, um I mean I will admit that I it, it was it was great to be back with squads after um after the crippled god because I read uh, I read the last three novels and the the squad chemistry wasn't explored all that much in those three books and it was nice to get back to them to get back to all the insane things they do the the, the weird obsessions they have and the way they pretend to be dumber than they actually are and all that and that was definitely one of the highlights of this book i think and yeah i did like them while i do have some uh <laughs> some things that i didn't like but overall it was fun yeah what did you think lee are you paid attention to this storyline isn't it yeah so it's no secret that i particularly like the uh the marines in this book um for the most part some of them were just like somewhat forgettable like if you ask me what the fuck to like say no or clay plate do in this book or like i don't know even um even real bent for instance i probably wouldn't remember to tell you but like still water or ramix or banger or ohms or spindle which i forgot completely or my beloved gruff yeah i could probably <laughs> tell you because well they are most of them if you're not into the humor so much it's can feel a bit juvenile which it kind of is sometimes mm-hmm. but i like the humor a lot in this book i found myself laughing a lot more than i otherwise would uh one thing that's quite prevalent in this book is it's very vulgar you may have noticed yeah i ran the book through an ebook and uh the god's not willing has about like 200 instances of the use of the word <laughs> fuck or yeah. something thereabouts which is like ridiculous and most of those come from marines or demisk um and like okay the first like chapter starts off with ohms and like colvernwood and he just goes fuck this and fuck that and fuck this and fuck that but if that was a fuck I'll fucking take it <laughs> so yeah if you're into this kind of humor the marine humor from like the malaysian book of the fallen you're going to love this and i did i'm guilty of it i am sorry um but i can also appreciate some of the uh criticisms and concerns that they are a bit too indestructible and too self-righteous and too I'm a modern marine fucking possible which is what Benger actually says and that sounds super cringy to say out loud holy shit um and there's also the do you give a shit epigraph it yeah there's a very strong gear towards um self-righteousness among the marines which one contrasts it to the things that they do or used to do like 10 years ago and um what a certain uh savior of the realm has done feels a bit off but I mean, uh, who am i who am i to judge i mean you should probably attribute all this you know all the self righteousness because that's what their the savior and emperor is teaching them you know that's the priority of the empire now to take in refugees and be nice so things have changed in 10 years probably no <laughs> we'll get to that <laughs> i would hear your thoughts first before i go on right so i i was not extremely happy to see these marines in, the, in my first read because you know that was i i don't know i'm used to having uh, the lines and dialogues not being repeated 
and here there are at least four times people say uh, we taken refugees and what kind of an empire refuses to help people and we are in the service industry yeah. and things like that which you know are, i don't know once twice is fine but at the fourth uh, repetition i was sort of sort of out of it this is not the way you know this is not the way i i'm used to reading malazan books but then you know in one way probably the fault is that i'm trying to expect to read more book of the fallen and this is a completely new series with a new voice with a new type of uh, writing style maybe so maybe it was unfair on my part to to to, to expect that kind of subtle themes here maybe subtlety is definitely lost on the whatever narrator Subtleties. this is i'll get yeah, to that later so yeah uh, ro what about you what do you think because i remember quite distinctly you were uh, unhappy oh, with yeah. the yes let's yeah. listen to those complaints yeah Yeah but before that I want to agree with one thing you said Lee uh, some of them stood out to me some of them were pretty good like Ohms uh, Stillwater Gruff even Gruff and all his peculiar mannerisms and Spindle of course but others like uh, say no daint given loud uh, some of them I had no idea what they were doing they were just, they were just there daint and, and given loud were were amazing they are the ones who are completing each other's sentences you know they were like a tiny tiny diverse they, they spoke the same way and they said the same things yeah uh, yeah that's true but i guess my point is um i wanted some of them to to be normal in the sense that i wanted to see them uh behave as a mature uh <laughs> yeah. adult i guess because it, it after a point it gets a little boring it it does i mean perhaps boring is the wrong word it, it the repetition is hard to digest so let me go back to the bridge burners that was the first time we were introduced to squads and the squad chemistry thing and when it happened for the first time it was amazing you know we had yeah. quick ben kalam charts mallet uh, whiskey jack fiddler the original squad and uh, this guy hedge hedge as well and it was amazing to see what they did how innovative they were and the sheer audacity at times and the way they just handled things it was when when we were exposed to it for the first time it gave me that sense of awe and i loved reading about them and which is why when we transitioned to the bone hunters next initially it was a bit off i needed some time to you know gel with the bone hunters and the second time that's the second time we are exposed to squads right and after a while it, it took some time but after a while i guess i warmed up to the bone hunters as well and this time the difference was that we were with them through their um, that formative journey they take where they actually become a unit a single unit instead of you know different squads and all that the same thing which happens to the bridge burners uh, in varako at the beginning when they actually become one unit a family as such and experiencing that with the bone hunters it was a different take and i loved it towards the end i was a hardcore fan of the bone hunters and you know hail the marines and all that and all that was amazing again but now this is the third time we are introduced to uh, a marine group and this time it's you know it it feels like it's more of the same and in some ways i'm not a huge fan of that especially because you know all of them are just uh, their obsessions the way they just you know randomly talk about something especially when you know when someone asks a question they don't reply 
normally and then they reply something they talk about something else i know this happens in real life but there's a limit and i think the <laughs> marines are crossing that limit and it was annoying to read some of their interactions and and then the you know the other thing about how indestructible they were so this comes back to the theme i was talking about in the last episode where um, i was saying that actions have consequences and the way these marines act with impunity and somehow escape consequences like there is no uh, damage in terms of you know uh, they 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 don't suffer permanent damage or they don't have anything they don't pay for what the th- for all the things that they do even benger who was exposed to auditorial somehow you know towards the end he still gained a little bit of ability to uh, use sorcery again and all that was it was <laughs> oh i don't know i was not a huge fan of it i wanted to see at least one of them die and i wanted to see them pay for the things they do and as lee said i'm a marine fuck what's impossible that's oh come on that's it's hard to digest and it's it's not what i wanted to see i just wanted them to uh, have the same uh, you know to be treated the same way as other characters who who whose actions had consequences like damisk for example and not just damisk in general everyone probably and i don't remember this is a this is a common theme in malazan right everyone has uh, everyone faces consequences for their actions and somehow these marines are just you know they steal the show and they come out on top and even if they do make mistakes those mistakes somehow end up being the right thing or something and i don't know i just hate that they're so perfect i guess <laughs> yeah i'm sorry i just got i got carried away <laughs> no problem Uh, what was the thing about um, uh, sorry when they make mistakes was there some specific thing you had in mind um on still water robbing at either grave neverland which is really shouldn't yeah and that, then she and, gets this uh, scarf to haunt her isn't it uh, yeah yeah that happens and no by mistakes i mean they don't plan everything right so somehow they they go impromptu they just do something and somehow it just turns out to be the right thing to do and helps them gain the upper hand or something right you like get what i mean sarless um uh, no not like that no, no. i'm i'm just saying Ohms, uh, no, no, no 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 sorry sorry what i'm yeah. saying is whatever they do regardless of whether it makes sense or not somehow ends up uh, benefiting them even if it's not planned or even if it even if they're just doing something for the sake of it somehow it doesn't have any repercussions i i can't think of any specific incident to bring this up but it's it happens in day to day life in in their day to day life hmm. uh perhaps this i don't know i can't think of an example no, no that's fine that's fine that's fine now i was just thinking that you know uh, the way they have been written here being that over the top is because they are actually that powerful they are, they are actually that what do you call fuck impossible <laughs> is probably not something uh, out of the way for them you know it was six people destroying an entire tableur uh, charge and things like that so they have reached that level of super powered all what what who is whispering no 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 carry on <laughs> right i I'll, i'll let you have your turn just just give me a minute so i i believe that they have reached that level of uh, super powered in in all in everything with their magic and their abilities and their planning and all that so they are ultra refined and they're able to do whatever they want to do they're able to achieve whatever they have they 
you know they just have to decide on it and they are able to do it and i don't that's a, that's probably the reason why they have been written in such a ridiculous goofy manner with all the i don't know all the inappropriate jokes and all the inappropriate it it was weird their interactions are quite weird but then maybe they have reached one level of power so they no longer can behave normally with each other or with anyone else so no no i i really felt that when i was reading this time it has to be intentional that they written this in this manner because yeah as you say the bridge burners were normal the bone hunters were sort of okay with the coric smiles the things which start off you know it starts off in a sort of weird way and then we warm up to them and here again i think there is still some warming up for us to do and i think there is still time for us uh, to watch them get some consequences for everything they are doing now you know i mean the bridge burners weren't normal they were also insane but because <laughs> yeah. it was the first time and it was you know when we were all fresh uh, green readers it was all yeah. awesome and all that so uh yeah now that this is happening for the third time the same effect isn't there anymore yeah and i think that's why it has to yeah uh, it has to be deliberate the way these uh, these guys have been written here uh, that that's how i felt it at least this time because this is not fine isn't it no no matter how much you say the military are cooped up together and they're banging each other and all that it, this is a little extra whatever yeah yeah lee sorry i think part of the bridgeburner thing is selection bias because we see them after the fall of pale and mm-hmm. i think uh fed says it's hedge at some point that we were a bunch of lawless fucking idiots <laughs> we were criminals we were like made up of sociopaths we only see them fondly because we were brothers and sisters in arms and there was like instead of 1300 of us there were 30 of us after pale and only like the best of the best made it to the end because well they were an asshole and they managed to survive but people like ash for instance the guy from end of knives yeah. who yes, has yes. asked my race or moncrat for instance they're dipshits right yeah and even like smiles or sorry for instance have some vague semblance of a backstory that makes them empathetic because smiles has her sister who was sacrificed to mail sorry has her whole possession thing stillwater is just a spoiled bitch no, stillwater was forced to wear dresses and she was part of a noble family and- oh no Okay. Let us not get still water. You <laughs> know. Me. Let's no, no, I love still water. I really do like still water. But the point is there is they don't have like the redeeming qualities of the other characters like used to. Like Fiddler has been through so much shit and so much woe and he still goes on because well, compassion. Huh? Like Quick is dastardly and cunning, but he's working for a greater cause like he'll burn. And then you have people like Ohms who are just there or well, Owens didn't even do anything. Stillwater who just killed the guy for a corner apartment because she liked the window better. Who oh, or is... yeah, yeah. Like what else um who else is there that has like some dumb, some weird shit in the past? From the past? I don't know. Because we don't explore the past of most of yeah, these fellows. Yeah, that is true. And like their actions don't correlate from like them being nobodies 10 years ago. Like what the fuck where, where did you come from? We know where Spindle came from. We know where Monkrat came from. We can sort of extrapolate where Graf came from. But what the fuck? Are you telling me that this like Thoreau's Deshar chick became like a master assassin in 10 years while being on the spectrum and killing people for having like corner apartments and stuff? See, she maybe she was already an assassin back then and you know with the opening of the new warrants she is able to become a I mean she was able to invent this mage assassin thing. See, yeah. 10 years is when they have reached being marines. They were not like babies uh, 10 years ago. they were probably inside the army and you know 
they must have been at different okay. levels already i don't disagree what i disagree with is that the malazan army under malik in the first few years was the same that we saw before right there were cutthroats there were criminals there were claws there were whatever there was some sort of brotherhood and banding with like bendan or shoth but for the most part they were still the same old dipshits that created like made up uh, squads and companies and legions and armies with which the Malazans conquered a whole bunch of continents. And they were pretty much just in it for the money and not much else. Like Hector says this whole thing about like another day soldiering, another so day to waver's coin. Yeah, yeah. It's They weren't here because of some greater ideal to save like the people and the refugees. And that suddenly changing at the stump of a button, or like not a button, 10 years, but like it changing so quickly with little to no explanation beyond oh yeah this guy who had like 10,000 people killed were like you know because he's a dipshit that's manipulative and um then also orchestrated the pogrom against uh very, the very refugees he's claiming not to protect somehow for some goddamn reason got it in his head i'm gonna make an army that is very compassionate towards everyone else because that will make me look like a good guy when i'm in truth an imperialist scumbag which okay <laughs> works but like, who the fuck cares about PR? They're the Malazan Empire. Everybody that they're close to knows them as, like, the imperialist bad guys in this situation. They're not here because they should be here. They conquered this land a few generations ago at most. The thing that ticks me off the most regarding this is Ohms's comment about uh, the claw not going this far, which, okay. Uh, Ohms is probably intended to be a talent, right? And he says that, no, the claw doesn't go this far, doesn't do internal policy singing, and uh, not that deep anyway. So, Kellen Vade was assassinated by Lassine, who was a claw. The claw was involved in the assassination because, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Coil yeah. and the Black Glove and Malik's claws and Possum and all of that. Where the fuck were the talents of those assassinations? The Nowhere. So what busy. fucking level of internal, like, stuff is b- above the Emperor? Like, is Ohms off to go kill, like, Sadathrone? Is that what's going on? Like, the how much is, deeper does the internal thing go? Do you have a theory on uh, Ohms, though? Uh, not really. Not apart from what we're already discussing. No. No, the thing is, because uh, you mentioned... That, wait, except yeah. that I believe that Ohms is the only one from that group who is not a mage. I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Gruff. Apart from Gruff, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the thing is, uh, sorry, Ohms considers both, isn't it? Like, there is nothing hanging from a leather string or nothing hanging from a silver chain and, you know. Mm-hmm. So, maybe he used to be in the talent and then he came to the claw and now he's a freelancer or a oh, knight blade or something. kill himself? What? No, once the talent's <laughs> got the disbanded or... Why not? Because the claws make a living off of hunting talents. It's kind of the point. See, once he goes to that side, maybe he was a double agent. Like it can't. It's not impossible to think that. I mean, why should it be specified that he nothing is hanging from these two separate things, isn't it? Both are mentioned. No, because so I just uh, yeah. Bowden's, for example, is leather. Tavor's is a uh, silver, I think, or is that gold. Right? Tavor's oh, gold. Okay. I think it's just a denomination of rank, not like necessarily a different organization. Mm-hmm. Right. So. So maybe, yeah, maybe and he's not a claw. What I'm like getting at, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, maybe he's a claw. Who knows? <laughs> Everyone seems to think he's a claw. <laughs> uh, what I'm getting at is like this. It shouldn't, because for instance, it's not these like values are completely alien to the Malazans, right? We had Dasim. Dasim said the exact same thing. Like soldiers and armor does not protect you. 
it protects like it doesn't it protects your body but on your soul and like it's up to you to be a good guy and who said like, that tell me who says that dasam dasam no. over no no that was it kovian telling uh, the director well no what i mean is like armor doesn't like it's like a you armor for your body but an armor for your soul is something that you need to fashion it yourself or something like that okay i might be conflating with you but anyway the point is like it says something about armor and how soldiers must um enforce their own like oh hang on. Reason... you get no, the wait. point <laughs> you're talking about the um uh, the exchange between spindle and moncrat and told the hounds where they talk about what the dasim said probably i don't remember the exact quote. what happens there though okay so in told the hounds uh spindle meets moncrat moncrat is um he's with graditan right yeah and yeah. um he's you know he is, spindle says let's come in let's save these children or something and moncrats he's given up being a soldier he's yeah. just there he's just doing something and uh, spindle is kind of shocked because you know he thought that moncrat was once a bridge burner and now he's he's deserted he has no aim he's forgotten what it's what it means to be a soldier he's forgotten uh the you know the vows they take when they become a soldier not wow wow but you know <laughs> yeah, just the yeah. general principles they follow as a soldier and this shocks uh spindle and he talks about certain code the, the code of conduct which was um initiated by dasam back in the day and that is where uh dasam says whatever lee said i think and so, yeah, after was... that spindle manages mm-hmm. to convince moncrat to uh you know put his chin up and do uh, do the right thing yeah So it's not like these values are completely alien to Malazans, so like they've never heard of like be good because like a matter that's so but not to this fucking extent of like putting yourself between a flood and like refugees and dying and stuff which for one is incredibly hubristic like just take them and put them into a war and dig them away rather than trying to stop the flood alone but yeah whatever <laughs> not everyone has access to amenable warrants they discuss yeah. that yeah it was discussed in the book but i don't know like they could have done it sooner is what i feel they did not know they did not know that the flood is coming uh, yeah, this level of magical abilities they did not know is yeah i know but anyway <laughs> i i was reminded of one thing yeah yeah um that whole sarlis thing yeah i didn't know why it, it didn't strike me like a few minutes ago but that was what i meant when i said um somehow they bullshit but then that bullshit turns out to be uh, working you know it, it turns out to achieve something towards their favor and in in case of the whole healing episode um we don't know how much control uh bengur had but i believe that once rake entered the scene and along with rake all the other uh, spirits that were assailing assailing rake or chasing and hunting rake whatever uh, when that happened that was not intended and i think bengur lost control when those guys came in and somehow no one died There was there was no consequence to to that. Like they just faced off an entire army somehow. Anix was uh, using uh, what what and something. She was using fire. Tell Telan or Telas or there yeah, yeah. I think. And Silwater had that magical scarf, which who somehow came and saved the day. And that's that. Even though the situation went, it it spiraled out of their control, and they just bullshitted. Somehow they just escaped, and they were back home all safe. Salas so healed and job well done. We move on to the next day as if nothing happened. So I didn't like 
that. I just wanted more consequences to be there. So uh, one little thing I have to add, by the way, about uh, bullshitting is uh, Banger thinks about High Denual. And mm. at some point, his monologue literally just says that Denual can literally just break natural laws mm. and defy entropy itself. Like, okay, let's just throw like the law of conservation of matter and entropy and like thermodynamics out the fucking window because we have magic, motherfucker. And like, there can be no notion of consequences if they can literally just conjure a fucking pair of limbs from thin air. Just like, yeah, you're healed now. It's one of the things I really didn't quite enjoy about the new Warrens and how they're used here is that they're super powerful, but they also break continuity that we knew from like old things. Because the difference between holds and Warrens is that holds are really fucking powerful, but they're also really, really unpredictable and primal. Here, it doesn't feel like anyone's struggling to control the Warrens. It's just like maybe sometimes they can be not powerful enough to stop the flood, for instance. But it's not like they go apeshit, like they falter somehow and they start blasting three different mages in the formation and everyone dies together it's just like they fall they stop casting the warren just fizzles out of existence and then they get flooded and die do you know what i think the difference is between the warrens we have been seeing and this current warrens i think magic has become more available in this world so uh, more definitely more people think... are able to access it and so yeah. that is going to change the face of it like as you say it was unpredictable and then the warrants came and became slightly more regulated and slightly more predictable. Things are changing here too, and we have not yet seen it. It's been only, what, 10 years. So all we're seeing is that sure. uh, the ones who have got the good access, the ones who are able to manipulate their magic, are ending up in positions like the Marines, right? So I think we have to wait and watch what the consequences are going to be. Hmm. Like the Tablor are not going to use magic against them. They are resistant, but you know, they're going to meet other armies which will have almost equivalent amounts of uh, magical abilities, maybe. Well, they did have, like, Nestelash, right? The Warlock, and, like, someone killed him somehow. Was it Ohms? Uh, still water. Oh, still. Yeah, okay. Who, the scab guy within the tent? Or that one? No, no, no the um, Nestelash, the Warlock, the... The one, no, was he? Was... I don't remember at all. I, I don't, I'm not getting the name, sorry. No, 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 the guy who, uh, you know, when still goes to raid... Uh... What is presumably uh, Rulad's tomb? Um, oh, the, he meets oh, yeah, that the guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The hound eats him up, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of that hound, um, <laughs> yeah, oh, you want to say something? <laughs> no, 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 nothing. Okay, so um, from what I remember, Pallet was a hound of light and not a hound of shadow. Uh, well. Oh my God, is that right? No. Yeah. Yes. No. Sort of. Kinda. Pallet attacked the five hounds of shadow at the end of Toll the Hounds. I'm sure of this. I'm sure Pallet, Pallet was, was a hound new, of light. Okay. No. The wiki says Pallet was a new hound of shadow. He's definitely white. He's not like the other hounds. But, um, eh, No, see, not... what my point is, when we were first introduced to Pallet after Karsa killed, uh, killed those two, no, uh, no, after uh, uh, Ganos, Ganos freed those two hounds, uh, yeah. Shadow Throne presumably replaced them with two hounds of light. Although he, I, it was not revealed whether he called them, whether they were in his control or be, whether they just came on their own. That wasn't entirely sure. And they were with him for some time. But then towards the end of Toll the Hounds, they turned on the other hounds of shadows, the other five. Mm -hmm. But yeah. now they're back again with Shadow Throne. I mean, why would Shadow Throne want them again? It's not clear because, like, uh, the Hounds of Light were sent by Kadagar, who's dead. 
So it's yeah, not really clear yeah. like what semblance of control Cetathrum has over them now, if any. I don't know. Yeah, so yeah, that was weird. But yeah, Bala's there, and he needs a bath. So, <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, and she imagines she's going to get a bigger stick for him <laughs> next time. All right, yeah. let's talk about, let's talk to the water. I can, okay. Oh yeah, go on, go on. I'm ready to listen. I like the water. It's my guilty pleasure because she's definitely not like the kind of person you'd otherwise root for. She <laughs> is. Well, I mean, she's all but confirmed that she's on the spectrum. So judging her for her lack of social ability is like pretentious <laughs> and sensitive. Uh, yeah. But she, like I said, like this is the third time I'm bringing this up that she killed someone for a fucking quarter apartment. But <laughs> like, yeah. It's you can't just say that like yeah you know she just did that because that's what she does like no she killed a fucking guy for like no other reason but because she like her like uh. and it's not like the only guy she's ever killed throughout the book like a lot of different like poor ex and like oftentimes we're gonna end up dead and um, there's also the scarf witch which I don't remember at all the scarf spirit and then um, Catalian even goes as far as to say that she reminds him of sorry but not exactly, which, okay, I don't know how you can make that comparison, Mr. Cotillion. Uh, have you, have, have you <laughs> looked at her? Have you seen her? No, he immediately says, uh, on second thought, nothing at all, like, sorry. Yeah. So. And um, there's also the whole, uh, you know, Ohm is a claw, there's the uh, still waters the mage assassin, and she's like the first and only. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like... The, the, I still don't know if any of it is an act or if it's all of it is how she is. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Do you have doubts about that role? That is she having an act? Uh, I'm not able to make up my mind. <laughs> okay. I mean, in Malasan, this is kind of common. Like you think they're doing, you you think they don't know something, but then the next POV will be them, and then they knew it, but they still pretended as though they didn't know it this this kind of a trope is it's common in malazan yeah and i don't know sometimes stillwater like sometimes she feels too dumb to be actually dumb i don't mean this in any offensive manner or anything it it sometimes it feels it comes across as she's you know pretending she's you know bullshitting but at other times it it feels genuine so i don't know i'm not able to make up my mind to me specifically, I don't think she's uh, putting up an act or anything because this is how she is. She's being the only times when you can start doubting her is when she uh, tells all these deliberate lies that she has never stolen from a tomb and she would never, uh, you know, she she doesn't have magical abilities and things like that. She has willful lying, but you know, she's not putting up an act about the type of person she is. Like all her. Uh, you know, pretending not to understand social cues and all that. I don't think those are pretenses. I don't. I, oh, no, I no, really no, think, no, 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 no. Yeah. So yeah. those things are not an act. So the only I thing I would say about, is she hmm? thinks about puns and like sometimes uh, people tell puns and people laugh and other times they get knifed. Like I even remember one time like in a bar and like it's like. And the thing is, the it's in her internal thought, monologue, so it can't really be an act. When she yeah, thinks. that's what that's that's how I thought. Yeah. yeah. And the thought continues, you know, after like five pages yeah. of some action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just mid-sentence the thought continues. Yes, and, oh, that yes. Yeah. extremely good to read. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was expecting that she is the one who knifed the guy for making a pun, but <laughs> it's not her. Oh, it's Bliss, but we'll talk about Bliss later. Was it okay. Bliss? 
Bliss Rolly, okay. the sergeant, the master sergeant. Yeah. Yeah, what's up with her? There was like, you know, a conversation Ooh. with Spindle where she was talking about like some uh, sergeant or who was like running slavery. And uh, oh, then yes. she was like, oh, yeah, you know, some guy found her in the woods and like knifed him because she, he was a native and he did like a slaving business. And then they talked for like a page and they said, like, uh, well, did you, did she, did he see, <laughs> see you coming? No, he didn't. Sometimes that's yeah, what she did. Yeah. I enjoyed torching the shed though. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's that feels like a Malazan conversation. Exactly. You know? Yes. Yes. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. Mm. Right. Oh, wait. Uh, there was one thing uh, that I, one thing that stood out to me, and that was when um, when these Marines were initially going to Silver Lake. So when they were approaching the town, Ohms asks Spindle, like, uh, or Spindle tells Ohms to uh, book a room in, in the eel or whatever, some, some inn. And yeah. then Ohms asks him, have you been here before? And, and Spindle says, no. But towards the end, we know that Rant recognizes Spindle. And for the knife, you know, that means that Spindle has been there in Silver Lake before, right? Because he does what? No. Spindle says that he has never been to Silver Lake before. But yeah, yeah. from the end, we know that Rant goes and saves Spindle. And that was because... Um, Rand recognizes Spindle for you no, know for no, giving no, him he the recognizes, knife. Sorry, I thought he recognized just the uniform that he's oh. a marine and he helped me. And some Spindle's marine uniform is his hair shirt, no? Um, but then Ohms is with him. Ohms has a uniform, marine uniform. I got the impression that Rand saved him because Spindle was the guy who gave him the knife. Okay, I I, I did not think of that that way because I thought he just recognized them as Malaysian marines and went to help them maybe. Yeah, that... uh, he wears some armor over the hair shirt. Do you think he goes to battle and things like that with just the hair shirt? Well, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, you're probably right. I don't know. It just stood out to me because it, you know, because here on one hand, Spindle denies it, but from what I assumed, Spindle was there in Silver Lake, so it didn't make sense to me. But yeah, your explanation probably is probably the answer. I mean, I read that bit today, so. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, did anyone else from those squads stand out or anything else that you guys want to talk about? Well, I we think we did talk a bit about Banger earlier. Uh, Mara wanted to say uh, something, yes. No, I, w- I wanted to ask Ro about uh, Drillbent because he liked Drillbent uh, because he was so exacer- exasperated with the squad, just like her, <laughs> just like Ro was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that guy was silent. He did his shit. No bullshit. So, yeah. yeah. Points to him. <laughs> no, I think there was one sweet moment when uh, Folibor says bye to Stillwater when the flood is coming up. Mm. But I, it was, I didn't expect that, you know. He just, uh, you know, holds her face and tells her that it's been a sweet pleasure or something. Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. hit me, yeah. Yeah, I thought there was something going on between Stillwater and Ohms. Uh, because, I, I don't know, they kind of hated each other which is usually how these relationships start like you hate them and then you try to annoy them and then suddenly you're in love with them and i thought that was kind of the direction uh those two were gonna uh you know uh, steve was gonna take for those two but yeah Mm -hmm. it didn't turn out that way so you were shipping homes and still water yep i i I did not think of that because still water is a bit you know I, i don't know she's a bit beyond all these things but Folibor uh, having this extra concern about her and telling her to, you know, use her warren and get away and all that. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. I mean, I did but she, but my impression of... Hmm? 
But Silverwater is not a mage. What Warren? What are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> Daint is the one, you know, after he reaches the shadow Warren and then he looks around and says, what? When did Silverwater become a mage? <laughs> yeah. So there are some uh, dumb, uh, dumb heavies mixed with people like uh, So Bleak and the others. Yeah. So... But there was something odd about their language, isn't it? The heavies. Suddenly they start talking... They are extremely verbose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What what changed? What happened? I, I don't I don't know. Did we miss something in the middle? No, I I guess you know it's just an act, and they're just used to it that it comes to them naturally. And you know, suddenly when shit gets real, when the flood is coming down on them, they gain their senses and they act normal again. I think that's probably <laughs> it. No, their their whole uh, this this whole thing is ominous and portentous and all all the stuff. And then you huh? know, Gruff when. is explaining something at the end do you guys remember he asks i can explain this do you want me to tell you in the normal language or do you want me to talk the heavy language he's probably just making fun i think yeah and then he goes on he goes on with this extremely verbose uh, sentence i i couldn't i don't know i yeah, i remember what you're talking about i remember yeah. that but yeah <laughs> i don't know he's just making fun maybe yeah um Lee, do you want to tell us about Gruff? We are here to listen. Well, I don't remember very much from Gruff. Like, for one, he's just, uh, he's a treasure because of the whole Darlings thing. I just love the Darlings thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, a man that throws another man like 10 feet into a wall and sends him comatose and the, the first thing he's concerned about is if he broke a nail. It's exactly. a man oh. after my own heart. Um. And he also clearly knows more than he's letting on because, of course, he does. So there is a conversation in that aforementioned conversation between Bliss and uh, Spindle. Bliss really just goes like, uh, so Gruff is, um, yeah, yeah, he is. So no, no worries Gruff. about Gruff. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. And um, before the whole thing goes down with uh, the Flood and the Marines and the magic and stuff, Gruff puts on a Tataral Holberg, I think. Like, yeah. Bliss's arm with a Tataral. So there's that. And there's also a lot of talk of claws and, you know, almost a claw, almost a claw. I'm not a fucking claw. <laughs> to the point where, like, well, someone has to be the claw here, right? Like, are they just making up shit about who's a claw for fun? Um, now, there is a claw that we know of in this book, which is Ohms, always like, but, uh, no. but Gruff, <laughs> but Gruff, yeah, Gruff, I'm not saying Gruff's a claw necessarily, I don't think he is. But he probably is in cahoots with either Sevet or like even higher, like Malik or Topper. If Topper is even the Clawmaster still, which I don't know, because I could hit Raffle as I'm ask. So uh, beyond the obvious hilarious antics of, you know, everyone has them, Gruff is just like extremely campy and he embraces it. Yeah. Uh, he clearly knows more than he's letting on. And he is also a much stronger, better soldier than he is. And by the way, he wouldn't be... He would actually be like the third effeminate claw that we know of. So if there is one, it might as well be him. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, yeah. And I just love that he calls his soldiers his darlings. Like, that's it. You know, I don't much else. I, I want to be Gruff's darling. That's it. You know? <laughs> uh, so oh, wait, so uh, in, in, in that AMA, you asked something about Rail, right? I did, yes. Yeah. Is Rail a claw? It was Raffo. What? I really? asked if uh, I asked if Rails a claw and if she's directly reporting to Sevet, and he just told me we can find out. You answered three if... questions in a single question. Yes, and then so I asked you... if Topper's a claw master. 
I, I include like four in another question. I asked if Topper's a claw master, hmm. and if he is, does that mean that the black glove has been integrated into the claw? And if not, does that mean like factionalism has taken over the claw and he's been deposed? So like I've included like ten different questions in five of them. So yeah. So no wonder you got hit with raffles. Yeah, across the yeah. board. You could have just That's made great. some arts and you know put one question each, like. So we we still don't know who is the claw there, and uh, your guess is Graf, which sort of makes sense. I mean, my guess is Rail because Rail is like pretty much shown directly reporting to Severed at some point. Yeah, I, I think Rail too. Yeah, and yeah. she was uh, sent if, by Severed. So. Yeah, if there should be a claw, it's probably like the most obvious candidate here would be Rail. But the way they're talking about Graf in like shaking their head and like he is that, uh yeah he is or... i took that to mean that you know gruff is the one without any magical abilities why would they care about that because whether to include him in the fight or keep him separate or whatever i yeah, don't but know. he's like the captain he gets to decide who's included in the fight i mean they they have they have some ma- magical abilities so if he's going to go on yeah but it doesn't make sense no yeah right <laughs> Um, Ohms, are you guys sure that Ohms doesn't have any sorcery powers or anything? Because he he is favored by Tangle Witch, so that there has to be something going on there. By Rose, by Giant Claude. Oh, Rose, yeah, yeah, sure, Rose. Yeah, I I think the fact that he was favored by Tang uh, by Rose or whoever that was, I think that was the compensation he needed for not you know for not being a mage in that group. Like you know, it puts him at an equal power level with the rest and it, it to me it was a, it was something that confirmed that he was not a mage okay because if he was a mage and if he also had that uh, that spirit he would be overpowered and and i think he would if he had been a mage he would have definitely used it when he and uh, when he was escaping with spindle towards the end who oh, but by that time he was completely gone isn't it he was he had a yeah. concussion yeah that's true but yeah i don't think he's a mage Right, we'll have so to we, Yeah. Oh yeah, we we forgot about Balk and his mercenary company. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. I was a bit underwhelmed, at least in this reread, about the whole the whole mercenary thing. Yeah. Everything happens off screen, man. It's so sad. Uh, sorry. Everything happens off screen with them. Like uh-huh. they talk about like assaulting the marines and like we were like. 400 that were 50 and they fucked us or something and it's like yeah but can we see that please <laughs> what we're seeing is the consequence of that stand isn't it no but uh, did you like it how, how did you find it Ro? Uh, I guess I do found it underwhelming because I thought there was more to the person who hired them and it, you know, yeah, I thought yeah. it was it, it would lead back to Malik himself but it turned out to be Lord Kastnog and I was like oh that's it and I don't know I uh, because in in the middle of the book, Bok says something along the lines of, "If I told you who hired me, you would not believe it." And that screams someone from the Malazan uh, Empire itself. <laughs> and who who you know who who would be a bigger uh, surprise than Malik himself? Because that would ensure that Malik also had some other uh, field agents that no one else was aware of. So you know it could have it could have created a scenario where he was playing another game but then it it ended up being just Kasnak and uh, you know him wanting the company to guide them across across the empire empire's lands so yeah that was underwhelming and 
Yeah, I was expecting more from Balk himself as an individual. I thought he would personally like you know be involved in some action, but he wasn't. So yeah, let's see, let's see. Maybe he he's still alive, so maybe there's still more to his story uh, in the future. Allow me to inform you of uh, the the total body count incurred during our engagement with fifty Marines: three hundred and nineteen dead, seventy nine wounded, and of those, only ten able to fight again ever. So this ties back, I think, to the indestructibleness of the Marines and that fact that we didn't yeah. actually get to see any of this. Like, okay, first of all, how the fuck does he have a thousand mercenaries under his command while Savage is like a few kilometers down, a few leagues that way? <laughs> and <laughs> nobody cares. Like, oh yeah, yeah, this, this, this guy with like a thousand mercenaries under his command in Malazan territory fighting Malazans and nobody cares, apparently. So... There's. I hesitate to believe that there's nothing like Malik is not involved in this somehow. Sorry, what? The fact that there's like a, th- a thousand mercenaries within Malazan territory fighting Malazans and like nobody decides to intervene at all kind of says to me that maybe there's something with the Imperials going on. Right? Yeah. Can I just say that uh, we all read the same book and you guys have put Malik front and center. In your reading, because I did not think of him at all, you know, unless he's mentioned on page. To be yeah. fair to Cam and Steve, they've not put Malik on the forefront at all since Return of the Crimson Guard. Yeah. It's kind of like how Garza is in this book. The same is true of like Malik in The Not Me. No, it's like, it's like how Lassine was in the earlier books. That's also true. Yeah. So, no, in the sense, I'm not consciously thinking of, you know, how much Malik has been involved here or not. Whereas you guys have a lot of thoughts about, you know... I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it was because of Lassine. We, <laughs> okay. Like, you know, we... Um, he was not at the forefront initially, and we ended up figuring out that, you know, a lot of things that were happening, all of them, she, she was regulating them from afar. So mm-hmm. I thought that the same thing could apply to Malik. Okay. Yeah, like, you know, like even the whole split, the bridge burners splitting the mutiny, they are not part of the empire anymore. You know, the whole, uh, the facade or whatever they did to gain the alliance with Brood and Rake and all that. Everything was Lassine behind the scenes. So she was involved. And likewise, it it made sense to me that even though he's not on page, the merciful uh, savior of the realm was probably involved here as well. Now you watch it there, buddy. You watch it there, buddy. Okay. Um, <laughs> one thing that caught my eye in this book, uh, which Ericsson more or less like shot down, is Malik's uh, Rel's fifth edict. Malazan trust is not does not stop at the grave's edge. Because to me, that shout, I am going to tear down everybody who wronged me. Like Coltane, fuck him, traitor. Um, Lassine, traitor. Kalanbet, traitor. Uh, fucking <laughs> anyone who's dead or not present to defend themselves can now be posthumously charged for whatever the fuck Malik wants because he isn't like he's not going to use propaganda to further his goals. Uh, Steve kind of shot that idea down, which in hindsight makes sense because he needs legitimacy. Like, yeah, I'm the emperor, but like the emperors before me, they sucked and I fucked them, you know, and fuck the empire they created like three fanning three continents. Oh, that was crap. I'm going to be way better. Watch me. Um, and it also ties into the whole um, discussion I had once with Mora about the differences between Malik the Gistal and Malik the Emperor, Malik the Merciful. Yeah. 
but I still fucking hate the guy. That's not going to change over a single book. <laughs> so Especially when I, he's not dead at all. Yeah, that's true. But uh, I think there's clearly something there with the Claw or with Bulk or whoever the fuck the Claw Master is. Like, hello? Can I know, please? And uh, given uh, the things we see in NLF, I think it will be much more clear by the end of NLF Forsaken. I hope. Speaking of NLF, that excerpt. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. Yes. There wasn't a whole lot of yeah. What? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I was. I thought you were happy about it. Yeah. Mora is ready to thirst over Jalan again. Oh God. Uh, oh. That, that, that <laughs> you was. Didn't, you didn't let me have a go at Gruff. Let me at least uh, <laughs> Jalan. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, what, what about the excerpt, bro? Did you like it or not? I mean, this this is not enough to you know hmm. say that okay, this is awesome, this is or or this is this sucks or it's just a little bit just just a teaser just to you know hint at what's coming and that's about it. And uh, although the one interesting um, reveal over there was the presence of the adjunct and his bodyguard and. That is like something new. This is the first time we are seeing an adjunct. We've, we've seen Tavor, we've seen Lorne, we've seen Kyle, and all of them are their own, you know, they wield the sword. But this time, yes. he has a bodyguard who who is, presu- who, uh, who and I think those two are in love or something. He calls him beloved, or unless he's yeah. like gruff, I don't know. It was just one, uh, there was just one scene, so I can't make any conclusion. But that was an interesting thing. Uh, and this leads me to believe that the adjunct might be a mage. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, this is the conclusion which most of us are leaning towards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Except for me, because I'm a contrarian. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, I I uh, I found it very interesting that you know even Malik decides to have an adjunct and who can't uh, wield an autodoral sword and all that because I found it very interesting. I don't know even if uh, nothing much comes of it. Yeah, the guy reminded me of Lorne more than Tabor because he was you know he was not well informed the the fist clearly uh, outsmarted him you know the guy was uh, the the adjunct was he was reacting to things yeah. and it, he was surprised at the revelations the fist was uh, uh, you know putting forth yeah. so that kind of took me back to lawn rather than Tabor who was you know who was remarkably well informed so, I think uh, yeah, we talked I, about this with Mora in our episode about how like uh, Jalan and the Inkaras are both locked in a pissing contest, mm-hmm. and at the very end, like Jalan <laughs> pisses as far as the other LC or something. That's what I said. So yeah, I don't know if the Tavor uh, analogy is uh, fair here because Tavor is even before she became adjunct, she was like in the talent inducted properly. She was a student of a real history. Mm-hmm. This guy, from the little that we do know, he's from some unremarkable Jakatan fishing family Island. or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So, he was a he was a Napan, right? He was a Napan origin Malaz Island. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, I, I felt that was a reflection on uh, Jalan rather than something to do with uh, his drawbacks, you know. It was to boost Jalan's uh, uh, what do you call it, image in our eyes rather than yeah. to put this guy down. Yeah. So that's the way I saw it. So that makes sense. And he does mention something like uh, the emperor is not very forthcoming with information and all that. So it's very terse. Yeah, yeah. So the whole uh, Kalam killing the claws and things like that was was a big reveal to him, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's what I said. He was not informed. So yeah. So, so yeah. What else do we have to discuss? Um. Mm. 
Motherland Marine stood out. Annex Fro under creature. I I really don't want to talk about it. No. Oh, really? I just want to say that it's there and I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Really? Yes, Lee, really? You, what do you have? I'm not, you have I'm not going to question you further on this because clearly you don't want to talk about it. But okay. Did I did I say something? What happened? No, it's like you seem to have a personal issue with creature and like Annex. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, first of all, I hate I hate uh, tiny creatures like that, tiny furry rodents. I can't stand them. And then she puts it in her shirt, which is uh, I I can't think of anything grosser than that. So, <laughs> yeah. Do, do you did you like it? Did you people enjoy having this uh, image of funny. creature? It was funny. <laughs> okay. Right. I don't know. I was just like whatever. Yeah, I think Alex and Still were like great together and. Uh... Creature was somehow more sane than Stillwater. So, yeah. You, you know what I really liked? Annex is uh, this tobacco chewing girl, isn't it? And when they okay, uh, so, yeah. say, yeah, some of the Tableau children, I think one girl starts stuffing her mouth with grass. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Which, you know, that, that makes perfect sense, isn't it? That's what kids do. And and uh, does she invent what what is that invention she does? Uh, iron maw. Yeah, iron maw. The iron maw is it like is it just a gun or is it like a cannon or I I don't have I a, think a so. I mean it blows away a guy you know up to his knees. I mean this is just two legs standing. Uh, uh, I think I it's know. just it's it's similar to a cannon except for a cannonball. I mean instead of a cannonball, it's probably a munition or something. Hmm. And then she, at the end, she decides that she can't set up the stand and she has to hold it in hand or something. That, but she doesn't end up using it, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I she doesn't. So. Yeah. So it's fired only once, right? Mm. And and speaking of uh, the tabloid children, and th- there was the other scene where some of the tabloid they were so moved by what the Marines did for them, and and that they yeah. were like, "We want to be Marines too." I mean, yeah. like. Think about it. The Marines who are already indestructible. Now you're adding a squad with four Tebler in them and gods below. That, isn't that awesome? I, I liked it. Yeah, they're going to be unbeatable. <laughs> no, I seriously. Like, you, I, I don't know. What, oh, yeah, what is it, Lee? I don't know if I endorse like, this whole... Like, a part of me feels off, which should say a lot because I'm the guy that like you know said that the call was necessary and all that shit. Like... The Malazans are not in any story so far, even like the Book of the Fallen, in which they were treated very preferentially. They were never this self-righteous and like this good. And Malik isn't the saint by any chance, by any stretch of the imagination. And it doesn't feel like this sort of direction of how the like empire should be treated by, especially like peoples who they have fought in the past, who they've conquered. Is like it. It's off, and yeah, okay, sure. I've made a post on this before. When I like my, my last part of like the Lucina essay, I talked about was how Malik is essentially bringing the Empire into a newer age of, uh, well, to real life history would correlate to the Enlightenment of like an English version of freedoms, more liberty, more move, more like social movement, more stuff like that. But Nif the other day brought up a very interesting point in that. Uh, Malik's empire is often called the late Malazan empire and the word late implies that whoever is writing about it 
is writing it about it at a point in time in which the Mazan Empire no longer exists. Hmm. Yeah. Which is really interesting. But yeah, because, for the yeah, most part, yeah. like, it, it feels off. And the reason it feels off to me, I think, is uh, the, I mentioned Kaminsal for a reason. And that's because I do think there is a metatextual narrator here that might be Rant. I think Rant is one of the perspectives through which we read this book from a metatextual, like, crop into the hound, right? Mm-hmm. His perspective is skewing ev- events, even when he's not on page. I think that's kind of what might be going on here, because the, the self-righteousness feels very off in the span of 10 years compared to what it was back then. And like, Yeah, because if, if it was Rand who was the narrator, he obviously has a high impression yeah, because of like the, the knife thing. Yeah. Because yeah, and so yeah. it would make sense for him to be happy about them. And unlike Kaminsod, he's not obligated in any means to tell a truthful story. Nor would he be able to tell a truthful story because he's not been there to witness the events. Uh, and he's far too young to understand the minutiae of like why people do what they do. So of course, to him, it would make sense if they're just good because that's how things are. They're good because they're good because yeah, they're Mazan Marines. Yeah, makes sense. Right. So Stillwater, who is a murderer, <laughs> looks very nice to us. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, this is this also ties into that point I brought up regarding Shadow Thrones. Uh, uh, yeah. I was gonna bring that up next. Yep. Yep. So yeah, as as we had, um, as we most certainly have a different narrator in uh, for this book, I believe that you know Sh- Shadow Thrones trademark giggle, which was um, which was. Peculiarly, it was absent in this book, and it was replaced with a rasping laugh, which, which was like you know, it it stood out for Sh- Shadow Throne because we are all like so used to him giggling, and I believe that that reason is is solely because of the change in narrator, and it's not because uh, Shadow Throne laughed yeah. differently or anything. What yeah. are you just are you trying to imitate him or something? Yeah, has a cough. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe had like cold. Maybe Shadow gets cold at some point, though, and he's <laughs> got something. I don't know. Yeah. So, but, like, yeah, the way he would giggle and make a, a rasping laugh is very, very different. I don't think it's just yeah. like he's laughing differently. Yeah, it was quite sinister to, to you know, to read Shadow Throne here compared yeah. to what we've read him before. Yeah, and back then, because it was Kaminsod, to him, Shadow Throne would have been a junior or something. Like, he wouldn't have had a reason to fear Shadow Throne. Like the same way, let's say, the three of us see a 10-year-old boy throwing a stone at, at a dog. To us, the boy is, you know, we don't have to be frightened of the boy. Yeah. But yeah. for the dog, the boy's, like, you know, he's terrorizing his entire world. So, like, likewise, Kaminsod wouldn't have any reason to be afraid of Shadow Throne. But whoever the narrator is here, maybe they are, they are not at the same level as Kaminsod and they are, in terms of power levels or something, they are probably below... Shadow Throne, and to them, they're they're able to see the side, uh, the sinister side to Shadow Throne's laugh. Whereas Kaminsod just saw a young young godling probably trying to you know poke his head around, do something, scheme, and all that. So I think I think Shadow Throne's laugh is the only reason why it's different is because of the change or the difference in interpretation by the narrator. Where the new narrator for this Witness trilogy thinks you know he interprets the same laugh in a more as he, he seems to think that it conveys a sense of uh, Shadow Throne being malicious, whereas Kaminsaw just thought it was mischief and madness. So, yeah, that was, I think. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. But there is no framing yet for the for the witnesses. Not yet. 
Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, it, it would make sense if Rant was the narrator. Yeah. And Rant somehow got that account from Stillwater. I don't know. Whatever. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, do you guys have any predictions or anything for the remaining books? What do you think NLF would be about or what do you think might happen in the next one? Or any ideas? <laughs> I don't know. I just know that Karsa is not in the next one. And there is a big scene building up with Karsa for the third book. And yeah. At least he's going to appear at least there. But I hope he is still unwilling and unwilling due to indecision because he's not able to decide which way to go to embrace his worshippers or to, you know, reject ascendancy and things like that. I don't know. He's probably just stuck uh, being unable to make a decision. And, you know, we're going to see a confused Karsa is what I think. You guys? Um. There was this scene with Grant where he thinks about Karsa and he's like, he will, you know, the day he finally stands in front of Karsa, he's going to ask him, if you hadn't been chained, if you hadn't been shipped off to seven cities, would you have atoned for the things you did? And based on what Karsa says, um, Grant will decide what he's going to do, whether he's going to fight or whether he's going to kill Karsa or whether he's going to you know, probably kneel or something to his war leader. I don't know. But um, I don't know. Regardless of what happens, I think uh, as was written back in the day in the language of the Asatanai, there will be peace some way or another. (laughs) How do you know that? Where does it come from? It's the first line in Karkanas. Yeah, okay. You said the first line, right? Yeah, just open the book. (laughs) There will be peace. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, do we have anything else to talk about? Lee, do you have a prediction for Karsa? Oh, boy. For Karsa? Oh, or rather the or rest or of the general. series. I went on record a while ago about uh, saying that I think it will be very difficult to reconcile Rand's story and Karsa's story. And I can't really see a way in which Rand and Karsa meeting could be made satisfying. Because, okay, yeah, say he kills him, then what? Or say he doesn't kill him, then what? <laughs> Because the intense trauma that Rand has and is carrying, because based on his experiences, Sarlis being his mother and uh, the legacy of his father, is very, very difficult to reconcile, especially given Karsa's penchant to be, well, himself, you know, not be openly repentant about, oh yeah, I did all those things, I'm sorry. And it's like, he might be sorry, but I don't really see reconciliation between them being necessarily possible. Wait, does Karsa know Rand exists? I have no idea, which is another interesting thing, which I mean, I assume he does because... I well, assume he does too, yeah. He's in the same along. continent. I don't know. Yeah. And aren't they linked somehow? We mentioned they were linked earlier. Yeah, but... Uh, it's it's a under-the-surface link, I believe. I don't think it's like, you know, they're aware this is going on. Hmm. Yeah. Karsa could be aware. Because, sorry, Yaro. And Delas Fana and Tony Tagra certainly did not know, so they couldn't have told Karsa. That's what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. Right. But since uh, No Life Forsaken is taking place on like a whole other continent, exploring different things, different characters, I don't know because there's not that many characters from Tarsus past left in Seven Cities. Like, who is there? Exactly. <laughs> uh, Felicin. <laughs> Younger. Save for Felicin, who could be like 10 years later, still Shake reborn. There's not really anyone else because Leoman's gone. Leoman's not there anymore. Shake's dead. Uh, yeah, maybe Leoman comes back in Trinabacus. Maybe Lima comes back. Okay, sure. Maybe. Maybe. But I somehow doubt it. Um, I don't know. Um, like, I do kind of want to see Lima come back if only for Dunsparrow to come back, but 
highly what? I don't know. Should, should we talk about Lorik? What happens to Lorik? Lorik is uh, oh, Lorik is in the dramatis of blood and bone, so please don't. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> because but, I, uh, I seriously, I don't remember anything. Lorik and uh, Carson didn't really interact very much, I don't think. Yeah. I, I, I don't I even think, think I... Lorik was on his list. Like, he, uh, when he wait. returned to house. Yeah, go on. No, from Steve's um, episode in, in, you know, in this podcast, uh, uh, he said that um, there was a new squad and yeah, they would yeah, be, seven cities. Yeah, they would be crazier than what we've already yeah. seen. Yeah, I, I legit, I thought about Ro, and I was, you know, I was imagining him sighing at hearing this. Yeah, <laughs> grief. Yeah, but no, I, I, I don't know. I thought it was fine this time. I was sort of annoyed the first time, but you know, because we are being unfair uh, with these new Marines. We have to give them some time. They have to warm up and it's going to be fun when we see them back in the third book. But, you know, the more we are talking, I'm starting to believe uh, Lee saying that, you know, this could be four books. But I don't want four books. I want Walk in Shadow. Well, same. But, you know, Walk in Shadow might as well be four books too. Well, not Walk in Shadow itself, but Krakanas yeah. as a whole. So, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. That Anything marks the end of my prediction because I don't really think there's a very much same on I don't know, if, especially if we don't revisit Rand in the next book. I don't know how he's going to pay off the story in three books. I have, I can't think of anything that, you know, that can take place in NLF. I, I have no idea what might happen. Yeah. Yeah. This is Carson's legacy in Seven Cities. What What is there? Uh, I don't like... There's Summer, but do... Summer's, yeah, with um, Carson now, so not even Summer. 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 Maybe... Day. Maybe there's like worship of double guy in Seven Cities, but I somehow doubt that as well because of Coltane. Uh, Who the fuck knows? I don't know. Let's let's just maybe think about Carsa's journey. Like he goes to Seven Cities. He gets he first the first thing he does when he lands there is meet is to meet um Urko, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes Urko. to Erlitan. He gets chained again. That's when he meets Leoman and he parts ways with uh, Norm of Norm. And and then he goes to Shike, and then he say, stays there for two years or something, and then and then he fucks off to Jagodan to get get his horse, right? Did I miss anything? And he meets yeah. he meets Sinigig and yeah, oh, on the way two. he shoves aside uh, these two, isn't it? Troll and on, on rack and troll, on yeah. Rack and, troll. and then he comes back, and then he says Malazans aren't my enemy anymore, and then he goes off again. <laughs> And he yeah. fights a freaking Kechain Kechain Naruk. Yeah, and, and before that he kills two hounds of shadow, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Decidedly yeah. unimpressed from that. I am sorry. I am decidedly unimpressed. With the Naruk fight or the Daragon? Uh, Both. Shadow? Like okay, yeah. He kills two hounds of, sh- of darkness and like a short tail. Doesn't even break a sweat. Okay. He nice. Do, do, do not say that. That Naruk fight was quite justified. Yeah, it was he not like he didn't break a sweat and a all. A lot of sweats. He, his, I, I don't know, his scalp is torn, his uh, back is ripped apart or something. He, he's quite yeah, injured. He just walks it off, like, yeah, nothing important happened there. He has fast healing. Hmm. What? I mean, I wish he had used his sword at least. Yes, because, thank you. Because he <laughs> somehow manages to, yeah, somehow he manages to, you know, just beat the creature with his bare fists. That was a little, it felt a little exaggerated. But then the... I don't know. Maybe the Naruk skin is, uh, you know, that thick, impenetrable. 
Flint swords yeah. cannot harm it, maybe. Oh, but yeah, we do see them later on, isn't it? So, hmm. Yeah. But uh, the Daragod yeah, fight. Flag. Yeah, you go. Sorry. Yeah, regarding the fight with the Daragod, that didn't, you know, I was okay with that because that was the moment when Karsa got his powers. He got a horse, he got uh, his sword. In a way, it's like leveling up in, in a game. So that's when you're feeling all good, feeling confident. So he comes out and takes out everyone. But it's all uh, the other yeah, guy yeah. whose name starts with F. I don't know. The, uh, no, yeah. Silver, isn't it? Yeah, but it's all he Silver and the Fael, Fabril or oh, someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Fabril, Fael's the other guy. The other girl. Yeah. Fabril's uh, the guy. Yeah. He, he breaks his spine like a twig over his knee. Yeah. yeah. So so basically what I'm saying is that was Karsa's day or Karsa's night. So whatever <laughs> he did that day, I'm fine with that. I'm willing to forgive that, but like wrestling in a rook with bare hands, like okay, fine, dude. Okay. Yeah, that was. That and, was little... The thing is, it's not like Karsa is a dumbass in this in this book. Like in the Bone Hunters, he's smart enough to know better. Like in Rebirth Gale, he breaks Asagula's wrists by unbalancing her and then bashing her with a fucking sword with a flint sword as a bigger sword. He kills Rule at once. He's smart enough to know better than just to go and wrestle a bear with bare hands because fuck it. I'm doesn't indestructible. He, doesn't he like go and uh, capture a, a what do you call it, a Bedouin by himself? He yeah. asks someone for help and then she refuses. So he just says witness and then he does it himself. Yeah. So I don't uh, know. He knows I he don't like that part of his character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What can I say? So it's yeah. the same problem Ro has with the Marines. Like there, he's indestructible and it feels like there's no stakes. I don't know. I find it believable in Carsa's case because he's more or less an ascendant, and he was on the path all that, uh, all the you know, during the Book of the Fallen itself. So yeah. I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, after but all yeah, of this happens, right? The Bedouin thing and the um, it's taken to leather and fights the guys there, and we didn't talk about that at all because uh, we had a lot of things to talk about. Uh, what? I, I couldn't hear you. What? The whole thing with uh, Ublala and uh, the leather thing. Yeah. Without an all there, we didn't talk about that at all. So. Yeah. Uh, Ublala coming back to Karsa, the, that prediction? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I just said, you know, it, it's just something I want, I would like to see. And and what I said was, if Steve wanted to bring that plot line uh, to the forefront in this trilogy, in, in this trilogy, I think that this there is a way for him to do that. And that is through the, uh, the WoW, or rather than the, not WoW, the command that Karsa gives Ublala. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just think there's a way for him to do it without it seeming far-fetched. That's it. So right, so we just conclude that we are absolutely clueless about where the series yeah, is going. I have no idea. We don't know. It has a massive legacy in Seven Cities that isn't already explored. Yeah. So I got nothing. So again, we'll be saying bye to this squad and rant mm-hmm. and the rest. Till the third Close book me. at least. <laughs> yeah. Right. So should we wind up? Do you guys have any closing thoughts? Uh, I'll spare you my closing thoughts, otherwise we'll never finish. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned my lesson by now. Aro? Well, I don't know. Um, this book was really good. I enjoyed reading it. It was definitely different. It was easier to read compared to any of the books in the Book of the Fallen. And uh, I'm hoping that NLF comes out soon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's about it. So, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Let's see where it goes. Right? Mm. So, thank you, Ro. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
this you know yeah. this has been a lot of fun and i can't believe we'll that we, yeah. yeah it's become a two part episode isn't it for such yeah. a short book <laughs> yeah yeah thank you so much for asking me to be a part of this you know i i had no idea i was not i had no idea what to expect but it turned out to be amazing last few hours it was very good yeah uh, lee uh, thank you so much thanks for joining yeah. us today thank you mara thank you ro so yeah, thank you lee good night both of you so until next time all right we'll catch you next goodbye. time goodbye this has been smiley's and goodbye bye bye